Hello and welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. All right, guys. We got an episode that we probably should have done a long time ago. I mean, this is right up our alley. This, I mean, no pun intended when it comes to a creep van. Right. But uh, this this has a creep van and a serial killer that was working national parks, and it just seems amazing that we haven't done this one yet. Dude, I thought the same thing. When I'm watching this documentary, I'm thinking, this takes me back to those cases yeah. that we did at the beginning. Like, this just Feels seems... like the early days, right, with True yeah. Crime Guys? <laughs> yeah. It feels like the Fire early... Fire up the van. Dude, it feels like the early days of true crime, period. Like this 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 yes. whole killer and the way he killed and his motives and everything just seems so like antiquated. You're, you're so textbook serial killer. You know what? Right. <laughs> I know that sounds so jaded, but mommy issues, creep yeah. van. <laughs> creep van, <laughs> mommy issues. You just need yeah. money. You don't want to work anymore. You're tired of giving your life to the man. So you just decide Checking to Checking all take the boxes. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's it I mean, but nonetheless, I mean this guy's no uh psychological mystery but right. still still an interesting character and a, a case that people need to be made aware of as well oh dude like it's to be scary it's, it's a scary type of killer because yeah. i mean we all like to go hiking and enjoy nature and uh the fact that someone like this could be lurking around is is it's a sad thing in life that it, i mean there are people like this and it's yes. it, that's one of the easiest places to be um, to be attacked and no one can hear you. I mean, if, if you're out there on like a weekday morning on a national park or something, there's a lot of times where you're, you think you're the only one out there. A lot of times you are, but sometimes there could be a weirdo lurking out there. And you know, what's, what's strange and what's so, um, so scary too about that culture is because people who hike a lot, people who are outside a lot are tendly, are, are, uh, tend to be very friendly people. They tend to be very yeah. They outgoing. don't. They don't it's typically like, are not the type to carry a gun on them and be real. Uh, right. They, they want to see the best in everyone. That they're they're that type of person. That's right. Like a little bit on the verge of hippie and like, oh, dude, I, I I love everybody. I don't see why anybody would want to hurt me. I don't need to bring a gun. Right, I got my dog. Exactly. That'll be fine. How many times have we seen where a woman feels comfortable because she has her dog with her, but that does not help sometimes. It you know, does like not. You, you you still should be carrying a gun, in my opinion. I think the only way. It, okay. This is just my opinion, and I'm and obviously there's uh, exceptions to the rule. But if your dog is friendly enough that you can take it hiking with you, and you can walk in parks, and people can come up and pet it, that dog is not going to do shit for no. you, for a predator. No. Now, now, with that being said, there are ways to train your dog to to lunge and attack on command. Now, if that's the case. I mean, that's it's really not that expensive compared to what a lot of people pay money for to get your dog trained, especially if you to have a, a smart, if you have like a German Shepherd, a Pit Bull, uh, a mm-hmm. Belgian Shepherd, a dog that is typically intelligent. Um, these dogs can learn these commands and it would be worth it. You know what I'm saying? Because now yeah. you do have a weapon that's like, it's like a sleeper. It's like having like a little dog Russian spy with you. You just got to say a word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and I right. think that is worth doing especially especially if you're a woman or a smaller person in general that is that is out by yourself you know what I'm I saying? I agree, 100%. Especially if it was if it was on command, like a certain word you said, like because if the dog's not generally aggressive, and so like it can, the, you know, the perpetrator could have its guard down, and then on on the, you mumbling a word, it can strike without it, the person exactly you know, knowing it's about to happen. That's exactly right. And like what they do with a lot of dogs, like um. My my parents had a German Shepherd trained that way, and um, what they did was all the like attack commands or whatever were in German. Yeah, so, so like, like Haas or something like right, that. Right, right. So like I can't remember what they were, but but it wasn't like you were gonna say it by mistake, right? It's not like you're gonna right. be like, oh. 
hey there, guy, or whatever. It's a fine schnitzel out today. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it's not just going to come up in conversation. Your dog's going to rip out someone's throat while you're getting the newspaper. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be all right, you know? Yeah. But um, that's, that's just my opinion. I think if your dog is friendly enough that you can take it out and go on walks, that dog's not going to help you. The average Dude, dog. I, every time I go hiking, whether I have my dog or not, I'm taking a gun with me, and I, I would not let my wife go hiking without having a gun on her. No. You know, just in your pocket or whatever, and, and when you approach, when you're, if you see someone coming down the trail, in, have your hand in your pocket on your gun just in case because you just don't know. I mean, like this guy, that was what he did. That's how he was successful was letting people's guard down. He brought his own cute dog with him. Yep. And he would let their guard down by having this cute dog because he looked like a creep. Right. So it's like, you know, they would get comfortable like, oh, your dog's so cute. And next thing you know, he's pulling a knife on you or whatever. Like right. that's the kind of shit that can happen. It's very rare, but, you know, do you, would you rather play it safe and have a defense mechanism or be a victim? That's just how I look at it. That's a great point. I mean, it's, it's better to have it and not need it. Precisely. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's, let's dive into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you could find a woman that's just simple and plain and whatever you want, honey, and here's your food, and I got the house clean, good and I'm good looking to boot, and I make more money than you, oh my God, you see how stupid I am? I make love for idiots. There's a pattern throughout my life of, of taking good things and just crushing them. There's a man with a van, does what he can to terrorize the Southland. He drives around with an evil aura, covering ground Carolina to Florida. I've said it before, I'll say it again. You can take me to the front door of this jail and say, go forward and say no more. I literally have to turn back around and walk back in here. There's nothing out there for me. And you see what my relationship with society as a whole is. I mean, it's only 5% of the people that have come forward so virulently and vehemently to, to knock me. But if the other 95% of the silent majority and don't, you know, they're not going to speak up. Oh, I know Jerry Hilton. He's a, he's a great guy, you know. I know Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, Hannibal, you know, Hannibal the cannibal style. So, yeah. you know, I know Hannibal Lecter. He's a great guy. No, they're not going to say a goddamn thing. You'd be surprised people who come forward and uh, talk pretty good about you. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not in the sense that they are 19 out of 20. It's the people that, that try to fuck with me which are, are relatively rare. But unfortunately, I, I put myself in a position where I have a high degree, high amount of exposure to that type of thing, and that is, in dog situations, there's people with dogs. The average dog owner doesn't know jack shit about dogs. The average animal control officer doesn't know jack shit about them. They anthropomorphize. That means assigning human qualities to something. Anthropomorphism. Okay? And they assign human qualities to dogs. And what that means is, is that they want dogs to be like humans, which is be nice and get along. Well, that's not the way it is in the dog world. Because when dogs talk to each other, they quite often revert back to the wolf world. And the wolf world is more incredibly savage and brutal than you can ever imagine. Wolves are one of the... The only animal that I know of other than human beings that will run down and run down and run down and run down and go and go and go after another member of their own species to kill. 
No, it's that God. It's that, it's that if they get in their territory, rather than just run them out, if they can, they'll go and go. Other, other animals, it's just breed contest of strength, more or less. But, but a wolf pack, if they detect another wolf from outside their pack in their territory, they'll run it, and they'll run it, and they'll run it, and they'll run it. And if they catch it, they'll kill it. An alpha female, you got your alpha male and alpha females in a pack. The leaders of the pack, okay? I've heard a wild wildlifeologist say that they're, they're, they're studying them in yellow. They're back in Yellowstone now, so they're really getting good data from the last 10 years. I've heard a wildlifeologist on video say, you know, an alpha female may get up in the morning and kill her mother and run her sister off. That's how savage and brutal the wolf world is. And that's what dogs can revert can revert back to when they're talking to each other. They don't understand, humans don't understand that in the dog world or the wolf world, there are no assault and battery laws. There are no murder laws. And quite often, there is no fear. Okay, imagine such a world where there's no murder laws. And there's no fear, which is why you see little chihuahuas getting killed all the time. They won't back down. <laughs> right? Right? You just grab them one shake and they're gone. And you all see little dogs get killed that way, you know. They won't back down. Yeah. No murder laws, no no aggravated assault, no assault battery laws, and quite often no fear. That's what the dog world is. And you've got to understand that and, and be appropriately cautious. And you must don't understand that. There's a man with a van Does what he can to terrorize the Southland He drives around with an evil aura Covering ground Carolina to Florida All right, our case this week is a serial killer. Um, he's kind of known as the National Forest Serial Killer because that's where he stalked was national forests around the South in three different states mainly. Uh, North Carolina, went back to North Carolina this week. Florida yeah, and Georgia. National Forest. Yeah, is that that's that's something that you've, you've been to that national forest before? Or? I have, indeed. Uh, Nanahala uh, Falls is out there, gorgeous waterfall. I was out there... I don't know. It's probably about six or seven years ago now, okay. but I still remember. I still remember that hike. It's like this crazy. You you park. It's like you drive up on this mountain, mm -hmm. and then you have a hike that zigzags down to the waterfall. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You zigzag down to this to this river, and then you can walk up the river a little ways to the fall. And it's it's gorgeous out there, man. Pisgah. Lots of places you could get lost, though. Yeah. Lots. Oh man. And there's so many, a lot of the forest out here as well, there's a lot of side trails that people just take the liberty to make. I don't suggest following those yeah. uh, because they usually take you out to more desolate areas and it may be someone's little secret spot mm -hmm. or it could be a serial killer secret spot. So, you yeah. know, take a gamble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm, gl I'm glad this isn't the case, but I'm also kind of surprised that this isn't more common. You know that this type of thing that more people aren't like randomly attacked in, in national parks and stuff just because of how isolated it is and how... Where else do you get the chance if you are this type of person, if you're this kind of a predator, where else do you get this kind of chance to get someone alone like that and, and, and isolated? Like you can't right. do this in a parking lot at a, at a shopping center. You know, it's, it's just right. not that you can't do it in their driveway. There's not that many chances in today's world 
to get someone that isolated like that. So it just seems like maybe when it comes to like modern day serial killers, this probably will be the the modern day stalking ground, not the well, highways like it used to be in the seventies or like bars and stuff like that. Cause there's just too much surveillance everywhere, but now it's right. probably going to be out in nature. Well, the good thing about, um, the internet and, and, uh, people just sharing everywhere they go mm-hmm. is that a lot of these natural park, uh, national parks and, good spots and whatnot have been so so popular lately like yeah. I, and i say lately within like the last 10 to 15 years i feel like the popularity has grown in parks so much because people are constantly posting pictures and and whatnot so it's rare that you go to a national park maybe mm-hmm. a state park you you could be there by yourself but a national park they get so alone. much attention now it's it's very rare that you're going to go there and be alone and COVID has made that uh, spiral like 10 times over where people want to get away from other people. They want to get away from the city. And they, I, I've noticed yeah. it um, like Mount Charleston um, in my, my area, like outside of Vegas, Mount Charleston is like always packed now. Yeah. That's the irony of it. It's like you're just going in groups over there. <laughs> yeah, right now. Now you're whatever. just congesting. You think you're getting away, but that's where everybody else is because they all had the yeah. same idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you can't blame them at the same time. Right. I mean, yeah. you want to get, get out, out and smell the fresh air. There's something special about it. It just puts a smile on your face. Right. And I know it's not safe for, for COVID and viruses, but those numbers are safe in regards to going and hiking and spending time alone, you know, yeah. at least by yourself. At least you have other people around. Yeah, just keep six, keep you know? six to 10 feet of distance between you and other hikers and whatnot. And That's right. I mean, I, I would do that anyways. When I would go yeah. hiking, I didn't want to be that well, close Yeah, you're to not going to be on top of people. Yeah. I gotta be like setting up my my cooler right beside somebody else or something at the river. Like that's mm-hmm. it's just rude. <laughs> Get yeah. some space. So the so the serial killer we're focusing on was the National Forest serial killer. His name's Gary Michael Hilton, and a couple of study sources I used for this crime line was uh, the ID channel show Man with a Van. That's what kind of sucked me in. As soon as I saw that title, I'm like, <laughs> this has got to be done on our show for sure. I'm about to watch all these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's on Hulu as well. You can find it on there. And this was season one, episode one, and uh, the episode's called Blood Mountain is about mm-hmm. this guy. Um, and then also a book uh, I got a lot of information from was called Trail of Death, The Hunt for Gary Hilton by Fred Rosen. So, And I, I didn't have time a- to read the whole book, but I did get a lot of right. information from it, from uh, a lot of stuff that people posted on the internet about, you know, from this book. So it's a good source for okay. doing a crime line. Excellent. I figured there'd be a lot out there because he did talk a lot afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, yeah, creepy is... interviews with this guy too. Good point. Yes. Yeah, like he was uh, not holding back in interviews. Um, he had no shame. You know, he explained why he did it, what he did. Like he was angry. He basically said, "I'm I was angry at the world and society." And so he's like, "It, it wasn't necessarily easy killing them, but it was just something I I wanted. I had to do because fuck society and I needed money and you know didn't show a lot yeah. of remorse." He was almost like a a, a male Eileen Warnos. Yeah, a lot of ways. Like when I think about motivations, he feels like he was done wrong by society, and then he was like, "I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I got to do." Financially motivated. Didn't really seem to be a sexual killer, right? Like I didn't hear much about sexually assaulting the victims. It was more just a means to an end to continue his lifestyle of living, you know, on his own in a van with his dog and just driving around from park to park. He needed money to fund that lifestyle. I honestly think if this guy had some sort of weapon where he could wipe someone's memory of him, he wouldn't have killed anyone. Yeah, I really, I, I, I really don't. Agree. I don't think he got yeah. off on killing either. It was just no, a means to an end. Saying. He didn't want to get caught, so he had to do it to, right. in order to rob people. That's right. He knew there's no way you're going to capture someone, keep them kidnapped, you know, take their money, and then they're mm-hmm. not going to go to the police if you let them go. It's just, it's just, 
there's no chance. So he knows there's only one way out. Exactly. All right, so let's let's go back to his childhood. He was born uh, November 26th, 1946. I looked up that date for celebrity birthdays, and there's nothing, dude. Nothing. It was Are nothing. Are you serious? But, I mean, there was uh, DJ Khaled was the biggest one, and I'm like, all right, well, well, DJ Khaled wasn't what I was hoping for. <laughs> but I mean, it was it was him, and then a shitload of Vine and YouTube stars. These little 16 year old kids we always talk about, and I'm just not shouting <laughs> them out. <laughs> Their headshots right. are just so like, ugh, I can't do it. Can't do it, right? They're tr- they're yeah. super trendy haircuts and all that. I was about to uh, say, how many different colors of hair did you see? Yeah, and <laughs> that's how you know. And piercings you know. and face tattoos, and it's like, all right. Yeah, they just got to. be I get more, it. You're trying to be extreme. original, but that's not even original anymore to have face tattoos. Or that's the irony of it, right? It's like right. if you're a if you're a new rapper and you have dyed hair and face tattoos, it's like really this again. Yeah, <laughs> it's. <laughs> it's I can't. I don't know the equivalent. I guess it'd be like uh, in the early 2000s, it'd be like having a grill and 20 inch rims. I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> like it's a starter pack. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Dude, my my uncle, he's kind of a weirdo. He had uh, actually he had a van, um, and he had on his van he had spinner rims like the cheap ones from fucking Walmart. Oh, no. The hubcaps. <laughs> they just clipped on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, I try not to laugh every time they pulled up, stuck. dude. I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do it, man. <laughs> yeah. Those things, dude. There was always that oh, one that got stuck, right? They're like rolling, and like that wheel's not turning at all. Yeah, but the they're other scraping ones are, the and then k- they because <laughs> 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 they get out of warp. Yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. god, that's hilarious. I remember those hubcaps. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah. So, so Gary Michael Hilton was born, as I said, November 26th. 1946. He he uh, was born in Atlanta, Georgia, to his father William and his mother Cleo. He spent time as a teenager in Hialeah, Florida, um, where he allegedly played in a band and was actually pretty good, I guess, as a musician. Okay, he's eccentric and like you know, so I think a lot of times that that actually bodes well in the arts, you know, music, mm-hmm. music and whatnot. Um, right. And then he also allegedly during his teen years confided in his girlfriend at the time that he had been sexually assaulted by his mother as a child. He had a he's one of the, another serial killer that had a strange relationship with his mother where there may have been some uh, sexual stuff going on and also like he was very protective over her and like jealous if she was with another man as we see in this next part of the of the crime line in 1959 he Hold shot on. and wounded his stepfather Okay. Um, whom he hated for taking his mother's affections from him. Um, the, the man lived. He was basically wounded from him being shot. And uh, he actually ended up forgiving young Gary, but uh, only now, after he spent some time in a mental hospital for his issues. Right. Now, do you think this is like an Oedipus complex? Or do you think he just, just this is just a typical, the teenage boy don't like his mama's new boyfriend? No, I think it was more Oedipus. I think it was a little... Really? There, like, like I cool. said, I mean, there's evidence to make you believe that he had a, an odd relationship with his mother. You know, and that's odd that that didn't translate into any sexual crimes, right? Isn't that yeah, weird? Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. Maybe he was afraid of women more so or something. I don't know. Yeah, we've seen that before. We've seen that with Ed Gein, serious mommy issues, and then very awkward with women and killed them. And that's mainly when he would do his sexual crimes was after they were dead because he was so damn awkward he couldn't do it while they were alive because he was worried about what they were thinking about him. Right, exactly. But, I mean, there was no evidence of that with Gary, which is so strange. Right. Um, In 1963, at 17, Gary joined the U.S. Army. He had another serial killer that had some time in the military. Seems to be a trend as well. It does. Um, 
where he stayed, he was stationed in Germany and man, what he did, like the, the, uh, platoon he was a part of was so bizarre and I'd never heard of it. And it was so fascinating to hear about this. So, and it may have played into his psyche. So he joins the army. He's stationed in Germany where he received basic airborne training along and got his GED, but he was a part of the Davy Crockett platoon. There were 19 men in this special platoon. Their task was to direct and deploy the Davy Crockett missile, which was an XM-388 nuclear projectile launched from either from either a uh, from a recoilless rifle. So it was like a like an RPG with a nuclear fucking warhead on it. It was it, it was basically a, a suicidal job if you had to fire that thing. I think it was more of a threat from the military. Um, against the communists is all it was, but they knew that if they ever fired that, they were dead because of the radiation that would have come from it. It was the smallest and lightest nuclear weapon ever developed by the United States military designed for use against Soviet troop formations with a maximum range of 1.24 miles. The army's idea was to arrange these units armed with a handheld nuclear weapon across West Germany, establishing an impenetrable perimeter against the Soviet insurgency. So they had this along the border, uh, between Germany and, uh, and and the Russians to separate them from the Russians. If the Soviets appeared on the horizon, word would supposedly go up to the president of the United States, who would then make the decision whether to fire or not. Being Holy a member shit. of being a member of the Davy Crockett platoon was basically a suicide mission, because if the soldiers would uh, would have to fire these, they'd be blown to hell and back. And if they ever fired the nuclear tip missiles, um, the gun's greatest effect would have been its extreme radiation hazard. It would uh, the M388, which was one of the guns they they had, uh, would produce an almost instantly lethal radiation dosage within 500 feet and probably fatal dose within a quarter mile. The weapon did not have an abort function. If fired, the warhead would explode. So it was Holy basically shit. a suicide so, squad, is what they were. Dude, like. like, what kind of people did they put on this on, in this platoon? Like, were these the people being punished? Like, what people is with this? a history of shooting their stepfather. Apparently, <laughs> maybe apparently. they picked him select for oh un- intentionally. I wonder how many like future criminals were on this platoon, man. Right, and you have to wonder like, like how much of this nuclear shit inside these um, warheads that they were carrying around was was radiating onto them. You know, like uh, how contained was it? Yeah, I know. Did. No, I, I bet I bet a lot of the people on here were just the people that fucked up in boot camp. <laughs> yeah, right. You're, like, get, what the fuck, you're getting Johnson? put on Davy Crockett, bitch. You're on, you're on warhead duty, Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Uh, you yeah. won't be last again. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, my, uh, dude, my, my best friend told me about that. He was like, he was like, because I, I remember when I, I went and picked him up from boot camp. We were best friends in high school, and I went to his graduation in Paris Island, South Carolina. He was in the Marines. And on our way back home, we talked about boot camp the entire time. Because, of course, I was fascinated. I wanted to know, yeah. right? Because you don't mm-hmm. know unless you went. And who better to ask than somebody who just got out? Exactly. Right? And he said, as long as you weren't a fuck up or a dumbass, he's like, it really wasn't that bad. He's like, you just do what everybody else is doing. He's like, you keep your head down. You, you, you just keep. And he said, and eventually it just becomes a daily routine. He's like, but there were people who just couldn't do shit right. He's like, and, and it didn't take but a few times, right? Because mm-hmm. let's say you fuck up two or three times. Now that drill sergeant is eyeing you oh, yeah. always. He's mm-hmm. always looking at you. Always. So you know what? every Fo- single time high school you mess football up, it was very much like thing. this. 
High yeah, school football yeah. was like that. Like there was the kid that, you know, wasn't in shape and he would like puke when we we're running the sprints and stuff. And like yep. the coach would ride his ass the entire season and make us do extra sprints on his behalf. You because know, of and him. then we'd all blame right. him. You know, there was always that guy. It's like if you get that reputation early on, oh, it sticks with you. Bro. It does. It's hard to get out of it. It's mm-hmm. impossible. Now imagine spending twelve weeks with a drill instructor who is headhunting you like yeah. the entire time. You don't want to become like, the private pile. No, no, God, no. But but that's what I'm getting at. This platoon was probably a, a pile of of uh, private piles, for lack of a better term. <laughs> that's that's a band name. Private piles. Pile the private piles. Side stage Lollapalooza. Right. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. All right. So a few years into his service, um, being on this, you know, Davy Crockett platoon, um, Gary began hearing voices. He was put into uh, therapy while in, within the army and was later dis- uh, was later honorably dis- discharged and diagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm. And they kind of just released him back into the world and didn't really warn people of, you know, what it, that he'd been hearing voices within the military right. and that he was just, they just kind of like set him free. Like, here you go. Well, they, they did the same thing with Herbert Mullins. Yeah. Pretty much, right? Yeah, we've seen that. It's just, like, you're not our you're not our problem anymore. Now you're someone else's problem. Right. Go hear voices at home, soldier. You're out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he, he would then go on to have a, a succession of uh, failed marriages. Um, he was married to his first wife Sue in uh, DeKalb County, Georgia, just di- and divorced in 1971. Um, he qualified for a Florida chauffeur's uh, chauffeur, chauffeur's license from 1970 to 1972. So he's basically during like during the 70s. And into the 80s, he's bouncing around um, t- to jobs and different women, and and it's just like they they quickly end, you know. And you have to think it's probably due to his his mental issues, his psyche. Um, he's yeah. the common denominator here. He can't seem to keep a job or a, a you know a, a wife for very long. Right, right. Um, he was convicted of DUI in, in Miami Dade County uh, in 1973, and his Florida license was revoked for a year. He never took states uh, took steps to reinstate it. In August of 1977, he would have his second marriage, Dina uh, Dina Baugh in DeKalb County, Georgia, whom he then divorced uh, a year later in May of 1978. I like then how he keeps long... going back to DeKalb County to get married. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, it's like, let's get married in Georgia. Oh, no, we're divorced. Now we're in Florida. Okay, let's work in Florida for a little while. You know what? I think I'm going to go back to Georgia and get married again because that worked so well last time. Right. Back in my hometown. <laughs> yeah, he, he just seemed like his, his whole life he bounced around the South to, you know. He would always make his yeah. way back to Georgia eventually. Right. Um, in March of 1979, he married his third wife, Betty Sue Edwards Galloway, a security officer for Atlanta's Stone Mountain Park. They would end up getting divorced uh, in October of 1979. Um, then in 1983, he was convicted in Clayton County for carrying a pistol without a license in a trial that convicted him, convicted him of a drug charge. Um, oh, so he's, he's building a little bit of a rap sheet. He would be known as like a petty criminal like for his whole life. That's what's kind of bizarre is that he didn't become a serial killer until he was like uh, in his 50s. You know, right. he was just mainly a petty criminal and like uh, he, was, he was a guy that would rip you off for money. And that, I mean, that kind of carried over into his killing. He then became a serial killer for the means of ripping people off. As right, you said, exactly. he wasn't really a sexual killer because if he was, it, it would have showed its ugly face by now. It usually people who are sexual sadists and serial killers in, in the sexual realm, they 
they start in their late 20s or in 30s and then they're done by the time they're 40 either they're caught or they're dead seems like I agree 100%. With this with these types of little small charges you would have had a you know maybe a a sexual misconduct charge or like a rape charge or yeah, or something like that thrown in here by now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead it was Just, like a bunch of fraud and things like that. Right, exactly. In 1995, Hilton began, uh, became a consultant on a film. This is just bizarre. This part of the story is just like... I didn't believe this at first. I, was, I know, when right? It, when it first mentioned it in the documentary, I had to look this up, this movie and stuff. Um, I but, mean, it's. I guess you could call it a movie, but it's as low budget and no one knows about it. And the only reason anyone knows about it is because this guy that was a cult consultant on it went on to become a serial killer. Yeah. So in 1995... Yep, Gary Hilton became a consultant on the film Deadly Run, a straight-to-video film about a serial killer. The character um, in the film kept women in a cabin before killing them. Hilton would go on to later hold some of his uh, some of his victims alive for days as well and helped to scout locations for the film um, and worked on the plot of the film. And one of the areas that he would basically scout for this film was one that he would later to go on to use as a dump site for his final victim. So... Mm-hmm. He was basically playing himself in this, his later self in this film. I, I mean, he wasn't how, the actor, but he was, right. you know, helping them create this person that he later became. I want to know how he came across this. Like, was this his idea, and then he went and searched out someone to make a movie? I think or it was, was someone his idea. making a movie, and I then they it, saw I, this creepy guy. Yeah, I think it was his idea. <laughs> it was he his idea it to someone who had enough money to make this low budget film. Okay, okay, and then they immediately regretted it. Probably. <laughs> I just don't see how that ever turns out. You just don't have the advertisement. It's like even if your movie is not that good, you still have a chance of a cult following if you have the money to advertise. Right. But, but I mean, it just I just don't know how in 1995 anybody would could justify putting that out. I just don't. I mean, I'm sure there are cases where movies were released straight to video, and they were low budget indie films, and they blew up, and people mm. just kept buying them or or whatever. And the movie eventually got redone or whatever, but I just what are the chances of that? Sometimes you know they're I mean? so bad uh, that they be, people um, they become beloved, like The Room. That's I haven't true. seen it, but I've heard that was the story with that. It was like it was just so bad that you couldn't look away, like it mm. was just hysterically terrible, like acting and yeah. writing. <laughs> and okay, so it, like sometimes yeah. movies are so bad they're great, you know. And that's yeah, what that's all you can hope for in like the case of a movie like this, uh, Deadly Run. Yeah, that's the best you could hope for. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, he Quote, he was a weird character, said Chris Johnson, who rented a room from Gary Hilton for several months in 1995 in Marietta, Georgia. Um, in June of 1995, Hilton plead, pleaded, uh, pleaded guilty under agreement up to 21 counts of solicitation. Um, so, yeah, he, he's going around ripping people off for a living, essentially, during the 90s now. Um, yeah. In August of 1995, he was arrested again in DeKalb County, Georgia, for stealing books um, he was hired to sell for the American Book Display Company. Instead, he attempted to sell them for personal profit at a local flea market. So. <laughs> Every kid oh kind of did gosh. this in the back in the day with like selling chocolates for school and whatnot, right? You pocket a little uh, bit extra. Yeah, of course. You're like, I don't know what happened to those dollars. I lost those. Yeah. <laughs> You're holding like three drinks from the drink machine and a bag of chips. I have yeah, no I mean, you, you, tell them that, you tell them the chocolates are $6 when really they're five, and then you pocket right. that extra buck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, dollar a piece or five for six. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> five that's for that six. Quick, that's that quick. Uh, that's that quick flea market jargon right there, that's boy. A, that's that's a good bulk deal you got there. 
Price goes <laughs> right? up the more you buy for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 10 for 15 if you act now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this, this we're getting now to 1997 through 2007 was a period of time where he actually kept his shit together and, and seemingly lived a pretty normal life. He found it. He had a steady job. And, and, and was doing well um, until he got on some pills, which changed him. So around 1997, uh, Gary Hilton answered a help-wanted ad for insulated wall systems um, owned by John Tabor. For 10 years, Hilton worked on and off to help help the siding company market um, its services. Uh, and this was in uh, Duluth, Gwinnett County, Georgia. Um, so the owner, Tabor, uh, not only helped Hilton, he provided him with a home on one of his properties. However, in 2007, soon after Gary Hilton began taking Ritalin, so he was prescribing Ritalin. Ooh, yeah. Um, and this just changed his behavior, apparently. His demeanor changed. He grew irritable and confrontational. He acted out, even threatened Tabor with violence, which was his boss, you know, and the owner of the company he worked for. It wasn't long yeah. before Hilton lost his job and his home on Tabor's property, and that's where it seemed like things just spiraled, spiraled out of control, and that's the starting point for him becoming a serial killer, essentially. I wonder why he started taking Ritalin when everything was going good. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, something, I mean, he must have gone, you know, he must have still been having some issues, and, and for whatever reason, doctors subscribed but that's an, to that's an ADD him. drug as well, right? right? Yeah. It's basically like a, a softer form of Adderall. Mm-hmm. Um. Which I'm, I don't know if they had. Oh yeah, I wonder if he went in. Sure I wonder if he went in to see a doctor and he was high on uppers, and then they were like, "This dude is needs something to calm him down. He's got ADD. He could have gone in high on coke or something." And they were like, "This dude needs something to balance him out." Right. But the ir- to, if you're if you have a, you know if you're kind of all over the place, right? Like kids that are too supposedly quote unquote too much energy and. Uh, can't focus on anything. They give them Ritalin, and that's supposed to help, right? But it has the opposite effect if you don't have that issue, right? That's right. That's that's what I was just about to say. If he went in there and he's drugged up, and like you said, on a high, and then they're giving him Ritalin to calm him mm-hmm. down, and then he's taking Ritalin on a normal basis, and he doesn't have ADD, mm-hmm. yeah, he's going to be he's going to be charged up, and he's probably going to be fine while he's on it. Maybe even more productive. But when mm-hmm. he runs out, that's when he's going to start getting confrontational, and yeah. you know, short fused. Yeah. Yeah, that shit. Who can knows? Ruin you. But uh, all we know is that you know that's kind of the word is according to his boss and whatnot at, at the time. That as soon as he got put on Ritalin, his behavior changed because he worked for this guy for ten years and everything was fine. Something yeah. changed him, um, and and, and huh. he was getting older too at this point. I mean, you're talking. He's like he was born at forty six. This is two thousand seven, well, so he's like fifty years old, and now he's starting to become a problem. It seems like you know generally men c- tend to calm down as they get older, not get crazier and more aggressive and. Well, I think, yeah, I guess. I'm generalizing. I I don't know, some, some, yeah, but some people, just people in general, I think, take it the other way and get more irritable as they get older. Yeah, there are the old curmudgeons. Yeah, well, they're in, they're in pain, they feel like their, their best parts of their life has passed them by, instead of, instead of realizing that they could still be healthy and take steps to, to be healthy and still enjoy their life and and get, and get some of that energy back. Are you going to feel like you're 25 again? No. But I mean, yeah. you, you, there's still ways to enjoy your life and and give yourself more more energy and. You know, now that I think it. about it, this almost could have been a, like a midlife crisis in a sense. It's like he got tired of working and whatnot, and it was just like he wanted to just live in his van on national parks. He loved nature and whatnot, and killing. Right. He, he obviously couldn't couldn't fund that lifestyle without an income, and so. And, and you know what else is tough? Right around in when you're in your fifties, sixties. 
um, especially for someone who bounced around to a lot of different jobs, because this is probably going to be my fate as I get older if, if I don't, you know, make it in doing something, creating content of mm-hmm. some sort. But <clears throat> I've bounced around to a lot of jobs in my life um, just because I've moved and for whatever reasons. But when you, when you get up into your 50s, you start looking at men who are retiring, men who are done. They're yeah. done working because they started working at 18, 20 years old at the same place and now they're now they're ready to dip out. Like I see that I see that with my dad now. My dad has done that as well, but he's been at where he's at now for for the last nine, ten years, but he's still gonna have to work into his sixties before he can have a decent retirement. But yeah. he's seeing he's seeing men who are younger than him retire. And and like I think me, for if some I stay people, on the path I'm on, I'll retire at forty eight. I'll have thirty yeah. years in at the place see, I'm at because I started at eighteen. That's insane. And then you're going to have, but you're going to have guys that you worked with who are older than you mm-hmm. when you retire. Yeah, because they spent ten years over here. Yeah, ten there. years over here, yeah, or, they, or yeah, or whatever. And I think that starts to that starts to play a toll on people when they're thinking, God, okay, I'm 55 right now, my back's killing me, I have no energy, and I'm going to have to work till I'm 65. Yep. I got another ten years to put in at this place. And I think some people, especially people who are alone and have nothing but themselves to look out for, I feel like that's motivation enough to be like, fuck this. I'm just going to go take care of myself Yeah. in whatever way I can, especially someone with a history of mental illness. Yeah. They could come to that conclusion real quick. No doubt. Yeah, so, um, so Gary's boss, John Tabor, said in September he filed a complaint with authorities after Hilton threatened to kill him if he didn't pay Hilton $10,000. At that point, he told Hilton that he had to leave his property he, quote, cleared out his stuff over the next few days um, and to, and basically took off and Tabor didn't see him again. Um, and it, it, this is where he kind of taps into what he loves. If Hilton had one passion, one comfort that offset the instability of his professional and personal life, it was the outdoors. After losing everything, he turned to his life in his van, relocating from one national park to the next, looking for victims to fund his new lifestyle. So he didn't want to work anymore. He was done. And now he was going to basically live in his van with his dog. And mm-hmm. he would be, you know, he would he would need money, and he could basically rip off people he come came across in these parks, um, and he didn't want to get caught, so he would then kill them. And this is where it begins. Um, on October twenty first, two thousand seven, Gary Hilton and his dog Dandy hit the road in his Dodge Astro van. They headed for North Carolina. It was the the how do you say it? Pigsaw, Pisgah, Pisgah. Okay, in the Pisgah National Forest. He would come across and abduct John Bryant and Irene Bryant. It was an elderly couple who, they were retired and they they loved to just spend their time out in nature. They would go on hikes all the time, every week. Um, you know, real real slow hikes. You know, you imagine he's got like you know knee brace on and stuff. He's old and body hurting, but they'd like to just be out there. That's right. And they were out there on the wrong day, unfortunately, and came across Gary Hilton and his dog, um, who were while they were out there on that hike, and it's later discovered that um, Irene had been bludgeoned to death and John had been shot in the head with a 22 caliber pistol after Gary had abducted them, made them give him uh, their ID, or their their uh, their bank card and their, their PIN number. And he basically made a series of uh, withdrawals from their bank account at ATMs and he would wear a mask. He would wear like a creepy like duct tape mask when he would, and like it was gloves and try to basically... Um, obscure his identity as much as he could because he knew there was cameras on the uh, ATM machines. Right. This mask reminded me some like something off of Saul. Remember that pig right. mask that was yeah. on Saul? Dude, mm-hmm. that thing still haunts me. 
Yeah. I remember I remember being younger when that movie came out, like the first one. Like, oh my God, the first time I saw that pig mask, I was like, yeah. God, damn, I can't look away though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that, those movies were on another level creepy. Those bro. movies were an event when they hit theaters for a while there. Like when they I was in, were. I think I want to say I was in high school when those started coming out, and it was like yes. hey, everybody had to go see them in theaters when they came out. Yeah, it was a big event. Oh man, yeah, I remember that very much. I think I went and seen the second one in theaters. That's the mm-hmm. one where all the different people are trapped in the house, right? That's one of yeah. My wasn't favorites. there like a pit of like needles and shit? Yes. Oh. <laughs> God, oh, this makes me cringe. I'm not <laughs> even scared to of needles. Those. But, I've been in the horror movie no uh, mood lately. Ugh. Dude, yeah, Saw 1 and 2. Oh, Speaking of which, I just watched Creep 1 and Creep 2. I, I highly recommend them, man. It's got it's the, the, the main actor from the show The League. Yeah. Um, and the, these movies are, they're, man, they're so, like, you can't look away. It's just like his character is just, he's a creep. He's a weirdo, and, like, he lures people from, like, off of Craigslist and then, like, messes with them, and he ends up, I mean, I don't I don't spoil it too much. Just watch yeah, it. Yeah, don't spoil it. Watch okay. Creep 1 and 2. They're both good. Okay. Where can I find them? Uh, I want to say I watched them on Netflix. I think they're on okay. Netflix. All right, cool. If you guys still have it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's a good so, yeah, uh, the Bryant's bank card, whom he, you know, the elderly couple that he abducted and, and later killed, um, their bank card was used on October 22nd at 7.35 p.m. to withdraw $300 from a, a machine in Ducktown, Tennessee, um, Irene's body was then discovered uh, on November November 9th. Um, her body was found just yards away from the Bryant's car in Pisgah Nor- National Forest. Uh, John's body wouldn't be discovered for another year, though. So, as we mentioned, she had been hit, struck in the head. I think she had a skull fracture, and she was an old right. woman. So, I mean, she couldn't take that kind of hit to the head, and that's what she succumbed to, and then he would later be shot in the head. So very tragic. He, he really didn't need to do that to that elderly couple to get their money. I don't. I mean, how? They're Why an not old just couple. go up like, to him and rob him with the mask on? Right. Exactly. That's something he could have done, right? Like he could have like parked somewhere where people couldn't get his license, his license plate, and he could have uh, hidden his identity and gotten them to give him their money. And yeah, he wouldn't have had to harm anybody. You know what I think happened? I think. Uh, I think he probably tried that early on, and people were giving him the wrong PIN number, and then now what? Now you're fucked. Now you got yeah. their card, you let them go, and you have the wrong PIN number. So you you at least need to have them where you could come back and punish them if they give you the wrong PIN number. I think that was his thinking mm-hmm. as far as uh, not just <clears throat> holding someone at knife or gunpoint and demanding their wallet and their card with their PIN. And also, I just think he'd gotten to this stage in his life where he just didn't really care for other people like he, it just, it, he, like you kind of said, he was just at the point where I'm going to take care of myself. Uh, I'm going to do what I, what I need to do to be happy or whatever and live the life I want to live. And I could give a fuck about other people. And so like, it was just part of it was just this coldness to him where he just didn't, you know, he'd rather not have to kill people, but if he, it, it just didn't matter that much to him either way. Yeah. You can I get agree. to that. Some people are willing, are able to get to that point a lot of yeah. times later in life where they just don't really have any, uh, empathy for other people. Right. Um, on November 17th, Department of Forestry ran Hilton's uh, vehicle tags in the Appa- Appalachian. How the hell do you say that? National Forest. The Appalachian National Forest? No, Appalachola. Oh, Appalachola <laughs> National Forest in Leon County, Florida. Uh, so they ran his tags and they didn't do like a national check they just checked him locally to see if he had anything and uh ended up letting him go with a warning we see this several times 
but I mean, oh, I see it now. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know in Florida, man. Uh, the, uh, yeah, that's the a, Appalachian it's a tough Mountains one. Or, yeah, that's a North Carolina. Cola, Appalachian, but Appalachicola. Uh, that's what I'm going with. Appalachicola, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the war, I mean, the point is, it was a close call. We see that with every serial killer, where in the middle of their spree, they they have a run in with law enforcement. A lot of times, they end up getting let go, and then they continue to to go on their way, killing people and whatnot. Right. On December 1st, 2007, Cheryl Dunlap headed to Leon Sink's geological area in Florida to walk the area. Passerbys noticed her sitting and reading. Um, she lived, she loved to kind of go out in nature and sit and read a book and just like really decompress. Cheryl yeah. lived in Crawfordsville, Crawfordville, south of Tallahassee, and was a nurse at the Florida State University's uh, Student Healthcare Center. She was a mother of two grown-up kids and a devoted member of the Evangelical Christian River of Life Church. After failing to arrive at church uh, to teach her Sunday school class, uh, which was very unusual for her, as mentioned, very religious, um, mm-hmm. and also did not show up for work on Monday morning, um, the uh, Thogard Student Health Care Center at Florida State University uh, she was reported missing on December third. So people became worried when she didn't make it to church, didn't make it to work. Right. Um, this was very out of character for her. Very consistent person. Yes. And the last place she was known to have been was on a hike. And so people are like, what could have happened? Could she have gotten hurt out there and stranded? Yeah. Or, you know, yeah I, know. I The uh, the dialogue of the reenactment on the documentary, mm-hmm. uh, it just cracked me up a little bit because the way she was like, she was like, okay, I'm going to go in the woods and read a book. And I was yeah. like, what? No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's seriously. Like, like, it's like, like in every like, horror movie when they're like, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll be right back. I'm going to go down in the basement by myself in the dark. I'll be right back. Yeah. Yeah, It's obviously, you know, not funny because of what happened, but I get what you're saying. Like, it just, just, don't proclaim things like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It was just the way that they they wrote it out. Like, I doubt that she said it like that. It just sounded so foreshadowing. Uh, for yeah, a I mean, there was some dramatization done in in the show exactly. for sure. Exactly. I'm not. I'm not talking. I'm not laughing at the victim. I'm just saying that the reenactments yeah. kind of made me crack a smile. I mean, it's 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 a, it was a little different for Discovery ID to be dramatic like that, you know. Oh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> they typically aren't over dramatic like that. No, not at all. They're never dramatic. Oh. Are you being sarcastic? Yes, I thought so. So on December 3rd, the same day a missing persons report was made, Dunlap's car was found on the side of of the Crawfordville Highway near the woods. A disabled vehicle ticket was found on the car dated December 1st. The the sidewalls of the tires had been punctured with some sort of a knife. The damage was done uh, apparently after the car had been parked. On December 2nd, 3rd and 4th, security camera footage showed a man in a rubber mask attempting to use Dunlap's bank card at at, uh, area ATMs. This was kind of what... Him doing this with the ATM cards and the, his his disguise was kind yeah. of what linked him within different jurisdictions in different states. That's yes. kind of what basically how he became known as a serial killer and the, the hunt for him started because it, it was just so the different agencies were seeing, you know, someone get abducted from a national park and then their bank card being used at an ATM with a person in this very strange disguise and they had the same build in each right. state where this was going on. So authorities eventually start connecting these these crimes together because of this ATM spree that he's going on. That's right. And if you know, like most ATMs, you know, they get you from at least the waist up. So they had mm-hmm. the whole frame, arms. They yeah. could see the way he moved. They can um, see that he was a tall, thin man, apparently yes. wearing gloves, a hat, and some sort of a mask and an obvious attempt to hide his identity as he draws money from the ATM machine. 
Yeah. Um, on the, in this case with uh, with with um, Cheryl Dunlap, on uh, money was withdrawn was withdrawn, suggesting that the person in the surveillance footage knew Dunlap's PIN number. Detectives stalked out the ATM location for a week, but the suspect did not return to the bank. I mean, of course, he wasn't going to go back to the same ATM. Oh hell no. Um, on December fifteenth, the dismembered. Uh, body was found missing her head and hands. Uh, the thigh muscle was used to make a DNA match to Dunlap. She had been dismembered post-mortem. A doctor estimated she died between December 5th and 8th. And so he was doing this. This was kind of a, you know, a, an MO for him. He's, he would uh, he would remove the head and hands of the body to, in a means of trying to disguise the identity of the victim. Right, um, but he forgot the thigh muscle, apparently. Yeah, I mean, he forgot that we're, we're now in in the mid 2000s yeah. at this point and you know they've come a long way with dna and whatnot <laughs> yeah. and identification so yeah, especially if they have a missing persons anymore. to connect this to they have something to test against you know if oh it was, yeah exactly yeah i mean he, he's he's abducting these people who are beloved they're not like someone that's not going to be missed they're going to people are going to be actively looking for these people and they're you know when the body's found in the same area they're just going to test the missing person's DNA with the body that's found, regardless of whether you know the body is intact or not. Precisely. Um, Hilton f- quickly fled the area and was on the road again. Um, in January of 2008, Gary and his dog Dandy posted up on Blood Mountain in the Chatt- Chattahoochee National Forest. Unfortunately, that day, also at Blood Mountain, was 24-year-old University of Georgia graduate Meredith Emerson, who decided to go hiking with her dog Ella, which she had done on many previous occasions. This time, however, she failed to return from the hike. Witnesses remember seeing Emerson talking with a gray-haired man who appeared to be in his 60s and had a red dog named Dandy with him. So there's, these, there's quite a description from uh, witnesses at the, at the park at the time. So, th- I mean, yeah. this is kind of like what we talked about earlier. Is like She wasn't necessarily alone with this serial killer at the park. There were other people there. Right. Um, probably passing by on their hike, and then as they got out of you know, eyesight of, you know, these, uh, the serial killer and um, Emerson. That's right. when he struck, I'm guessing. <clears throat> um, Emerson, so he, he so he uh, lets, lets her guard down with his dog. Um, they're talking and then he strikes. He, he tries to subdue her. She would not go down without a fight, though. She apparently had some martial arts training. She used her wits and her martial arts training to fight off her attacker. Um, they have this scrap um, on these hiking trails out here in this national park, and eventually he's able to overpower her and managed to get her into the van and later got her dog and put the dog in with her as well. Um, and he would go on to keep Meredith alive for four days um, as she toyed with him, refusing to give him her proper PIN number for her card, desperately trying to basically buy herself more time for the authorities to find this guy. She knew that right. if he's trying to use her card, that that's traceable. You know, they're going to see the failed attempts on the ATM. She was very smart in that way. Like, she was just yes, buying was. herself time, hoping the authorities catch up with this guy. <clears throat> well, she also knew that if the, if the card works, she's dead. I mean, there's yes, no reason to exactly. keep her. There's no reason to keep her. And also, I think she was trying her best to be likable because he later in interviews said that, I, I, I think she enjoyed my company. We had a good time together. Like, he was so delusional in that like, oh he thought she liked him. And, like, he was One trying his best to keep her comfortable and whatnot. Supposedly, he was like... You know, keeping her warm with a blanket and feeding her well and all this stuff and, like, letting her hang out with her dog and all this. And, and you know, like, she was doing her best to try and act like she didn't mind being in his company just because, like we said, she was buying herself time. She couldn't stand this creep, I'm sure. 
Oh, obviously. She's being held against her will yeah, in a van. Yeah, she's, she's being yeah. held captive by a fucking creep in a van. He had, chain, he had her chained up in there, like by her neck, against the wall of the van inside. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, each time she gave him bad PIN numbers over the course of four days, causing failed transactions and a record of their location. Um, so, yeah, he's driving her down to town unsuccessfully multiple times to withdraw, try and withdraw money from the Wachovia bank account using three different ATM machines. Um, Hilton then returned to the forest where he would uh, end up bludgeoning her to death um, and he would do the same means of trying to uh, obscure her identity by dismembering her afterwards. Um, he would end up letting Meredith's dog Ella go, which the dog made it to down to town and was like w- walked into a grocery store apparently and that's where people like became really concerned. It's like now we found her dog, her dog's alive. It also also kind of sadly gave the family hope as well. They thought, well, if he let the dog go, maybe he'll let her go, whoever has her held right. captive, you know. Yeah. Um, I know. You would think that he would have killed the dog. I mean, if you're prepared to kill a human mm-hmm. to, to save your ass, but why the dog can't the talk, dog? so what's the point, you know? Because the dog is can be found in a close area and people know about yeah, the guess. dog and they're gonna identify, they're gonna be like, Hey, I found this dog in this grocery store. Well now the hunt's going on right there. Yeah, but if you're planning on fleeing the the area already, what's the difference? I don't know. I, I get it. Like if you if you're cold that cold hearted where you can kill people like that on a whim, then Yeah, why would you, you even take the chance? But maybe he had a soft spot for dogs. He had his own dog. You know, maybe he's That's one true. of those people that puts a dog on a higher regard than a human. Well, the know. documentary played it out as if the dog got away and like she That's she released possible. the dog while the door of the van yeah, was open she and she was like go That's go true. get out of here in the episode yeah she was yelling go Ella run yeah. or whatever I don't know where that came from if that has any type of basis to the story yeah. or not it could just be an over dramatization mm-hmm. so can't really take that to heart but whatever way it happened the dog got out yeah unfortunately for Meredith uh, agents did not get a record of Emerson's ATM uh, card attempts on her card until January 4th when it was too late she had already been um, killed at that point however Gary had screwed up this time other witnesses had seen them on the mountain that day and Meredith was a, a, a very beloved person a special person that, you know that it, a whole community was going to rise up to try and find her Right. Um, and she, there was witnesses, as we said. They, the witnesses alerted authorities, and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation soon identified uh, Gary Hilton as the primary suspect in Emerson's abduction. And around this time, also his former boss calls up authorities. When this story goes public about this woman being abducted and there being a man in a van and stuff like that, it just clicked with his former boss and who called and said, I think this is my former employee yeah. um, who's doing this. Um, police continued to scour Blood Mountain despite the fact that the uh, that attempts to use Emerson's bank card had been made at ATMs many miles away. News of the abduction went national and soon caught the attention of John Tabor, who I just talked about, Hilton's former boss at the, sliding, at the sighting business. When Hilton called him to ask for money, Tabor knew Hilton was the prime suspect in Emerson's disappearance. Strangely, Tabor waited over an hour to inform the Giro, Georgia Bureau of Investigation about the call. It's an hour, though. I mean, Maybe he was just like going in his head, like I better make sure that I really think this is him if I'm going to call and accuse him of yeah, this or whatever. Yeah, an hour is like, not that long. No, Jesus, like this is kind of a big deal. You're really going to get wrapped up in a huge investigation here. Exactly. And if you're a business owner, you really got to take into consideration. Mm-hmm. You know who who did he work with? How could this possibly reflect on you? I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot to take into consideration here. Yeah. Uh, authorities were able to trace uh, trace the call that it had been made to a pancake house off of Blood Mountain. By the time they arrived, however, Hilton was gone. 
A few days later in DeKalb County, Hilton was spotted in a parking lot. So this is where he gets caught. He's in this parking lot behind a gas station. And he had to know at this time that everybody was looking for someone that fits his description, a a creep in a van with a dog. Um, And he's behind this gas station unloading bags of trash, apparently. And he's spotted by a man who right away says, "That's dude, that's the guy I've been seeing on the news and whatnot. Um, And so, yeah, he's removing items out of his van and tossing them into a dumpster when a phone call is made. Quote, the guy you're looking for is uh, is cleaning out his van behind a gas station, the witness told nine told 911 operators. DeKalb County deputies rushed to the scene. This time, Hilton didn't have a chance to escape. He offered no, assist, uh, no resistance to police uh, who put him in custody. Um, soon, Hilton found himself in an interview room, turned over to the GBI. He readily admitted to killing Emerson, speaking out in bursts. He was look, uh, looking to make a deal. So he was trying to get a plea deal to try and avoid the death penalty at this point. And in the van... I have to mention, was just endless evidence. They found bloody clothes. They found hiking boots that belonged to uh, to Emerson. Um, right. Obviously the dog. And they found chains and all kinds of stuff to subdue someone. Um, just basically a whole murder kit in there and bloody evidence of a crime. So, I mean, he was yeah, caught red-handed, this, essentially. This garbage haul was well overdue, mm-hmm. man. He, he should have done yeah, out the van a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but see, that's the disadvantage of living that lonely lifestyle. You're not, you, you're not around any TV. You're not around any type of form. I mean, I guess you have a radio, mm-hmm. but radios aren't going to be showing your picture and, and constantly showing the newscast, you know, three or four times a day that people are looking for you. Exactly. You know, so I, I really think this guy just was still cruising. He thought everything was good. Mm-hmm. Everything was gravy. Yeah. Um, so in exchange for a full confession and leading Georgia police to Emerson's body, Hilton would get life in prison without uh, the possibility of parole. So that's kind of the deal he made. And that was the deal he made in Georgia, though. Now, mm. they, when they connect him to murders in Florida, things are a little different. They can't promise that he's not going to get the death penalty in Florida where they, they kill people, <laughs> as we've seen. Ted Bundy, yeah, exactly. that was just that. Like, that's where he, he fucked up the most. That's he should have w- stayed in Colorado yeah. and killed people. But when he went down to Florida... But didn't Bundy want the death penalty? I mean, there's an argument to be made. Yeah. Um, okay. Then again, he tried to defend himself and all that stuff. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, but then again, sure. I think he got off on the attention of that. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Under heavy escort, Gary Hilton led authorities to a remote road on Dawson Forest, in Dawson Forest, 35 miles south of Blood Mountain, where he had buried Emerson's body. As Georgia authorities pieced together... The murder of Meredith Emerson, Florida law enforcement officers were connecting the dots between Emerson and Dunlap. Their killer was the same guy. As we mentioned, he just left a a crumb trail uh, with these ATM video camera footage of him wearing the same disguises and the same crimes perpetrated on national parks, women being abducted, people being abducted generally. It wasn't really, he didn't have as much of a... uh, you know, he, a, a victim profile. It was more just like right. whoever he could get. He didn't care if it was a male it or was, female. It was like as long as they had money. That's what he was trying to get. But yeah, that's right. It was opportunistic, mm-hmm. as yeah. we saw with the elderly couple that was just trying to get money. Right. Um, but he's not looking for a fight either, though. Right. He's, he's looking for that's the true. easiest, the easiest victims here. Yeah. Well, that's where he fucked up because Emerson put up a hell of a scrap. Yes. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so the so Florida realizes that they they have the same they're they're looking for the same guy and now he's uh he's now under arrest in Georgia and but unlike Georgia, Florida was not going to make a deal. Uh they were not going to take the death penalty off the table. Gary Hilton had avoided the death sentence in Georgia because authorities and the family of Meredith Emerson were desperate to find her body. 
Irene Bryant, Hilton's first victim, had been killed on federal land, Pisgah North National Forest in Transylvania. Pennsylvania, Transylvania, Transylvania County. County, North Carolina. His third victim, Cheryl Dunlop, had also been killed on federal land uh, in a national forest located on Florida's Leon County. Authorities suspected that Irene's husband, John Bryant, abducted alongside Irene in 2007, was Hilton's second victim. As of 2008, however, John was still missing. They hadn't found his body yet. Um, as I mentioned, they wouldn't find it for a year after the crime. With with right. the Georgia deal signed, sealed, and delivered, the question then became who who would uh, be next to indict Hilton, Florida, or the federal government? So they, the federal government can <laughs> persecute him because he was committing these crimes on federal, you know, on uh, state parks and whatnot, national forests. Right, right. Uh, and in multiple states. Mm-hmm. Uh, on February 2nd, 2008, the skeletal remains of John Bryant were dis- were recovered in the Nantala National Forest. In Nantahala. Nantahala. Nantahala? That's the one I was telling you oh, about. Okay. Yeah, where that waterfall, the Nantahala Falls. Nantahala, Okay. Yeah. Uh, the incentive, the incentive to get Hilton to Florida got sweeter at this point. Um, Hilton was successfully extradited to Florida, where he would soon stand trial for the murder of for 46-year-old Cheryl Dunlap. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement had found and identified Dunlap's body, um, as in the Emerson case, Hilton had been mutilated in a desperate attempt to obscure the identification. It didn't work. Forensic analysis used a portion of Dunlap's thigh muscle to identify her, as we talked about earlier. And in February of 2011. After two years of pretrial hearings, Hilton stand before a judge at Tallahassee courtroom. At the end of the four-week trial, the jury convicted Hilton of first-degree murder and recommended he be put to death. So as much as he tried to yep. avoid the death penalty in Georgia, he couldn't escape it in Florida. The ju- well, because Florida already had so much evidence, they didn't need a plea deal. Mm-hmm. They're like, we got you. Bro. Yeah. We don't need your help at all. Mm-hmm. You just need to show up so we can kill you. Right. So. <laughs> exactly. And they know I mean, that he's never getting out of prison just based off what he had done in Georgia. So they weren't really worried... If right. they, they lost, they he's still going to be locked up for any anyway, forever anyway. Right. So they could take their time and really make a case against this mm-hmm. guy. Um, the judge agreed and officially pronounced the death sentence. The death sentence for him um, on January nineteenth, twenty sixteen. Though he's, I mean, he's he got the death penalty, but you know how this stuff goes. There was, there's been all kinds of uh, legal wrangling since then. I, I, th- I think no one was killed in Florida for a long time during this period, following mm-hmm. some sort of a mix up um, in courts with a different case. Um, and in January 19th, 2016, Hilton was due in Tallahassee for a hearing where he planned to request a new trial on the basis of inadequate counsel. Instead, on January 12th, the United States Supreme Court delivered a decision that changed the rules of the game for, this is what I'm saying with all the legal wranglings, things got right. complicated. And, and ultimately, the, the bottom line is he's still sitting on death row. Um, and will he be killed or will he die first is the question, you know, of, of old age. Um, right, but we know he's never getting out of prison. He's never going to harm another person again, and I guess that's 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 a start. I wouldn't mind seeing him killed either for what he's done, being so heartless and killing people that he didn't need to kill. And uh, yeah, yeah, but I don't think he gets killed in prison being a being a uh, a money killer. You know what I mean? Like a product yeah. killer. I don't think he's going to be. <clears throat> I don't think he gets killed in prison he's probably just going to sit there and yeah and in that case just put him in general general population because he's eating up so much tax dollars sitting on death row they get so much special treatment being on death row it's it's like aside from the part where you have this date set that you're going to be killed 
if it gets to the point where it's like you're like Randy Kraft where you've been on death row for 35 years and you know you're never going to get killed, you're just going to die of old age in there, I'd much rather be right. on death row at that point because you get a much bigger cell. You're not in, you're not in general population. Your, your life is not really at risk like it is, you know, being mm-hmm. with around so many people. You get It just seems like you get a lot more luxuries being on death row. Huh. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. It really doesn't look that's all that point. bad. I've seen a lot of specials on death row, dude. I'd much rather be there aside from the part <laughs> if you actually think you're going to be killed aside from that part yeah. of it but i mean yeah it's of seems a whole lot better jesus well i mean if you're going to spend the rest of your life in prison anyways i guess it, yeah it wouldn't matter mm-hmm. and this and this guy is looking for a way to get by and there you go mm-hmm. now you got a way to get by and you got plenty of isolation he liked being by himself anyways yep so he was kind of trapped in that van or to that van yeah um in a lot of ways mm-hmm. so uh, let's quickly this go through some uh, some other potential victims. I mean, obviously, with many serial killers okay. we've done in the past, there's there's always uh, you know a handful or more of people that kind of fit the mold of uh, the profile of a victim that this person could have you know perpetrated. Um, of so course. other possible victims include uh, Rosanna Milani, uh, a 26 year old, and Michael Scott Lewis, a 27 year old. Um, Michael Scott. Yeah, yeah, Michael Scott. How dare you? <laughs> From the office. Yeah. That son of a bitch. On December 7, 2005, Rosanna Milani uh, disappeared while hiking in Bryson City. A shopkeeper told the police that Milani, who appeared very nervous, came into her store with an older man who looked to be in his 60s. The witness reported mm-hmm. they purchased clothing and that the man told her that he was a traveling preacher. It was also learned that Hilton had stolen Milani's bank card and was trying to use it. Milani was beaten to death, but Hilton was not charged for this crime. I guess lack of evidence or he didn't, he didn't confess mm-hmm. to it. At this point, though, I just right. feel like, what does he have to lose by confessing to these? You know, like, I, it seems like if they could offer him yeah. just about anything, you know, like an extra dinner one night, he would, because he just didn't seem to care about his reputation. I don't know. I'm right. speculating here. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's a 50-50 chance that he, he, that he did kill her. I mean, it, it does, it seemed like she was at a national park hiking, right? Um, and the, yeah. with the ATM card, that, that seems to match up. Uh, but you're thinking the only the, the only reason you have doubts that he killed her is because he didn't admit to it. Yeah, you think, I feel like they could offer him something and get him to thinking. confess to it. This is not a very logical thinking gentleman we're dealing with here either, though. True. Yeah, he's a schizophrenic. I mean, for all man. we know, he could have been. Yeah, for all we know, he could have been hearing them voices, like well into his sixties, or maybe the whole voices thing was bullshit, and he just wanted out of the military because he quits everything. True. I just that just occurred to me. I was yeah. like, you know, because there wasn't. There was never any that type of uh, talk later on. And then when he's in his interviews, he looks pretty coherent to me. He looks like he knows exactly what he was oh, doing. Oh, for sure, 100% cognizant of his crimes and, yes. and how they're wrong, and he knows damn well. Yeah. He's a smart guy. Like he Herbert seemed like Mullen, a smart guy when you heard him talk. Yeah, exactly. With Herbert Mullen, you kind of felt bad for him. You're like, oh, my God, what's going oh, he, on yeah, in Yeah, his brain, brain was bro. gone. Like, you're, that's a mess in there. Mm-hmm. But with this guy, nah, he, he knew exactly what the hell he was doing. Mm-hmm. Everything was calculated. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And then on December, tw- so another one was uh, the Michael Scott Lewis case. On December six, two thousand seven, uh, Michael Scott Lewis's body was found on Tamaka State Park near Ormond Beach in Florida, uh, and it had been decapitated and dismembered, which definitely fit the mold uh, mm. of a victim of Gary Hilton. So it, I mean, and there's right. more too. There's more out there of people connecting dots to him with crimes perpetrated on national parks around the south during the time he was roaming around right Um, and we'll see if anything more comes to light with those but yeah gary hilton another creep in a van killing people 
Wow. Man with the van. Man with so the every van. episode in that Man with the Van show is about a guy with the van? Every single one? I don't know. I haven't made it to any... Because the show is called Man with the Van. Yeah, so not you would the, think Not the episode. I, I would be a little disappointed if episode two didn't involve a man in a van. Yeah, right? We could do a whole series on these. Yeah, we could. Man with the Van series. Yeah, Man with the Van series. I kind of like it. And we'll mix a couple in. Yeah. All you know right, what dude. you need when you're in a van, though? Uh, you need some oh my dude, guy because it gets a little musky in vans. There's not a lot of ventilation in yes. there. And if he was really nice to his captors, he would give them some as well, so they don't have to smell his his nasty ass, right? Yep. He could at least wear it because you know he didn't shower that often. That's right. Right, man. So you get some oh my guy, guys, as you should as well. Oh my guy is an innovative all natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum free products. Their innovative line of deodorant. Th- Deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural, paraben, and aluminum-free organic ingredients. Guys, there's a tons of scents to choose from, from vanilla to cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside. Um, you can even get unscented if you want, if you want to not be detected while you're in the woods. Um, but because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper and get 15% off. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R for 15% off your order at ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com or at shop underscore ohmygaia on Instagram. Oh, and I almost forgot. We have our own scent, guys. True Crime Pine. Don't forget about it. Can't beat it. It's worth trying just to get a jar of True Crime Pine. It'll be a collectible one day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, so I want to... Oh My Gaia take a minute to uh, thank everybody who's gone and rated and reviewed the podcast lately. Let's say thanks to G-Wiz in the United States. A great execution, great storytelling. Uh, Nemo or Nemel in the U.S. said, my favorite podcast, five stars. Val Panda in the U.S. said, great podcast, five stars. You know what I'm saying? No doubt. Uh, No doubt. (laughs) I know exactly what you're saying. (laughs) Lindsay's mom uh, in the U.S. said, love this podcast, five stars, fire emojis. Gotta love it. Thanks, Lindsay's mom. Uh, we got Rachel B. 1084 in the U.S. Said, love when you all do accents. You're so good at it. Smiley face. I've sent a little sarcasm there. Five stars. I was about to say, you're so good at sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul Bell- Bellaru in Australia, mate. All right. Amazing podcast. Send- right. Sends me to sleep. Perfect banter. And your voices are calming. Five stars, mate. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then we Very got... Good. Ma four four five five six 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 Bark of the Beast uh-huh. in the U.S. said one of the best five stars. Just found your podcast. I'm binging from the first episode. I work from home and now brings me lots of laughs to my day. Thanks. Hell yeah. Oh my god, you got a long way to go. Yeah, and if you want more, Start. if you run out, if you binge through them too quickly, you can always go over to Uh-oh. Patreon, Patreon.com/slash True Crime Guys. Two bucks a month gets you a bunch of content, a bunch of premium episodes. We do one premium That's episode right. per month. Um, only for patrons, uh, two bucks a month gets you in on that party and a bunch of other stuff. And if you want to go up to $5 a month, we now have a new really cool perk for those of you that love the banter of our show called just the banter. Yes. There's a new show we're doing on there. Just me and Michael just shooting the, the shit. Uh, he, a lot of times he calls me at work when I'm driving around and, uh, I just put my phone in my, my, uh, little shirt pocket. We talked about that. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> I, we, we just have conversations about whatever, and that's going to be available for $5 patrons and up. So yes. Every Friday, look for new episodes of Just the Banter. Yeah. I think we are, we've already got like four in the bank, guys. Yeah. But this is something that we, we really want to do. It's something that we've been wanting to do for a long time. And I think we finally found 
um, the right the right way to do this mm-hmm. and the time to do this and the the, the method. Yes. And this is something that we can. This is something that can be sustainable for our show. Exactly, because so it takes no preparation. We really just jump on and talk to each other like we would yeah. any other time, and you guys get to hear what we talk about. So. Exactly. Um, and, exactly, and so five Sometimes bucks a month gets you gets you in on that. It gets you all of our right. other premium content on Patreon, and it gets you the the gold creep van sticker, which is very prestigious. So you get a lot of awesome stuff for five bucks a month. That's right. And you guys, if you don't like paying monthly, they have the yearly subscriptions mm-hmm. as well. Now for true crime guys, not uh, it's not available for all patrons, but for some reason, they Patreon has decided to let true crime guys uh, in on these We're yearly special. subscriptions. We I so special. We're founders. Mm-hmm. At least that's what they call us. Um, so yeah. So that ends up, you get a little discount. You think you get a 10% discount if you pay all up front. So, for instance, the, if you're coming at the $2 level, it would be $24 a year, right? But you get it at like 21 something. So it's just a one payment of $21, and then you don't pay again until next year. And you get to enjoy all the, all the beautiful true crime things. But, well, at the $2 level, you just get the premium episode plus, you know, early intros and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do get the 10% discount at whatever whatever level you decide to, to uh, sign up on, whether it be 2, 5, or 10. Um, but yeah. That's right. Dude, we got we to gotta, we gotta figure out uh, Zoom. We got to get on Zoom. I think that's what we need to do for these $10 patrons. Oh, give them some video you know? too? Yeah, well, f- no, like to do the chats. Oh, because yeah, then we yeah, could yeah, do yeah. almost like a... Then, then, you know, because we don't live near each other anymore guys so that's what's really holding up these skype calls a couple of you uh ten dollar patrons have reached out and talked about skype calls you know, i got some um, bullshit internet too where i live i live up in the mountains so it's it's satellite right. internet so it don't work that well right that's why i'm thinking we're gonna we're gonna figure out some way on our phones maybe we get into like a zoom yeah a zoom my chat wife's done zoom or something like she's that. the she's like in the hoa or whatever where we live and right so she she does zoom meetings and stuff and it works up here so dude get her get her to brief you on that shit man yeah. I, I feel like i just haven't looked i'm sure it's very user-friendly oh yeah i just haven't looked into it but uh that so hang in there ten dollar patrons we're we're we haven't forgot about you guys yeah we'll we're, get some we'll to get some talks in with like you guys that's right that's right. And gals. And gals. Anybody who wants to talk. All right, let's talk about our <laughs> other True Crime Guys productions. Oh, yes, let's. Strange and Unexplained. So if for some reason you've already exhausted everything that we've said and you still need more True Crime Guys productions, you can check out Strange and Unexplained wherever you listen. It is available um, every Monday. There's new episodes of Strange and Unexplained. It's a, it's a little more produced podcast that we do. It's, it's um, unsolved, missing persons, strange phenomenons, cults. Um, this last week we just did um, the missing flight 370, um, the Malaysia Airlines flight. If you guys are unfamiliar, very interesting episode. It just came out this past Monday. So check that out if you guys are into it. And uh, like, subscribe, tell your friends. We're, we're trying to grow that show as well, so we appreciate any listens, any social media, um, you know, collaboration, whatever. And that's at Sandu Podcast on social media. On Instagram, at Sandu Podcast, Twitter, um, as well as Facebook, you can search Strange and Unexplained. And guys, on your as far as your podcast app... You know what you should call your listeners of that show? Find. You should call them strangers. Strangers, yeah. Well, I tell them not to be strangers, though. <laughs> So yeah, that doesn't work then. <laughs> it's, I know it, I'm kind of I'm kind of in a weird predicament. I've been trying to figure it out. I've been using like Sandu family and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah. Send but, your um, suggestions over to to Sandu on uh, yeah. Twitter. Yeah. What are, what are the? I guess they they're technic. Most of them are just creepers, you know. Yeah. So that's true. Which is fine with me. 
it's perfectly fine with me, guys. If you come over from True Crime Guys, that's great. Yep. Um, but yeah, strange and unexplained. Guys, just search True Crime Guys on your podcast app, and uh, that's a lot quicker way to pull it up there. Heck yeah. But uh, that also, there's also a Patreon page for that as well, uh, patreon.com slash podcast. And there are two other shows that I do um, pretty much individually on that podcast platform, one being the Palette Cleanser podcast and one being uh, Strange Shorts. If I could say anything about the Palette Cleanser podcast, I'd say it's like higher thoughts with Michael, but more produced, like on, like a little more fo- little more focused. Not much, but a little more. <laughs> and um, I try to bring in try to bring in different things, different uh, environments. Try to set a scene, uh, sound effects, things like that. You know, heck yeah. So we got a, we got a lot going on. TCG Productions. There's so guys. much entertainment. I know we're, so much entertainment yeah, for your ears, people. I mean. And I think uh, I think a lot of people get surprised because we're not we're not great at advertising it, we're not great at putting it out on social media, um, and honestly, I, f- I feel like it's just because I spend so much time producing it, I just don't feel like yeah, we're working on the product. I just don't feel like yeah, I just don't feel like advertising for it afterwards. So maybe one of these days we'll have it in the budget to have us a uh, a, a social uh, media person. What what do you call them? Yeah, what are those people? What do you call them? Uh, a marketing professional, marketing or, guru, or something. Yeah, we need somebody like that 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 will uh, keep us in people's eyes. On we need like a fourteen-year-old that's savvy with all this shit. Yeah, maybe I'll get my daughter in. There you me. go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah well, if you do want to check out what time. we got going on our social medias, it's <laughs> at True Crime Guys all over the place: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Michael does right. do some cool artwork. If you haven't checked out our Instagram yet, go over there and just scroll through and look at all the different pictures for each episode that he's put together. Man, they're pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff on there. So yeah, and they're and they're all original for every single episode exactly. too. So yeah, so yeah. Is all that right, about guys. do it. I think that does it. All right, y'all. See you next week. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. True crime guys in the desert. We like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us, cause you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming.